I think we should just do it for luck. This is Lucky to Lead. That was so good. Okay. Just drop your best one. Welcome to Lucky to Lead. You're talking shit about me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Lucky Lucky to Lead. lead. Boom. Dave, I have no idea what number episode we're on, but I'm fired up to be back. I think this is lucky number 13. Yikes. I know. It's cool. And we had a week off. How was your vacation? Unbelievable. You know, vicariously through you. Did a lot of reading, did some writing as we've learned. Got to put those thoughts on paper. So I'm putting, I'm putting the work to work. Good for you, man. Good for you. I've just been in the suck. I got two year old wife pregnant. Just, you know, you're just, living the dream. This is the nesting. This is as good 24. as it gets. Oh, it's, you know, it's great. <laughs> so the little guy is, uh, he's become a tyrant. So, it's my man. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun though. It's been good to be home. Uh, okay, so this week's guest. Fired up. Let's go. Okay, so we've talked to people who lead large organizations, small business owners, police officers, you know, during this really tough time in our country where we're learning a lot of ourselves. We had some, some excellent guests, you know, like Wendy talk about, you know, the perspective of a person of color, the perspective of a person in uniform. Today we have somebody who brings uh, a perspective around toxic masculinity and uh, without giving it away, uh, Marino Castro fired up to have you brother. Uh, Thank you. Thank you for having me, man. (laughs) It's a pleasure. All right, Marino. So, uh, just to kick us off, what what are you doing today? Like, what are you up to these days? Sure. Um, so, I am a a father, a husband, uh, <laughs> a son, a brother. Um, I am a licensed mental health counselor, a care manager supervisor for a care management agency, and a co founder for Ample Space, uh, which is a space we've created for uh, cis heterosexual men. Uh, to talk about masculinity issues and vulnerability issues. And yeah. <laughs> epic. Uh, just an epic uh, resume yeah. right there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I am an assistant lacrosse coach. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I had to write down everything already. <laughs> yeah, lacro- lacrosse is important, man. <laughs> um, all right, Marino, I, uh, I would be remiss not to use this opportunity to ask you to describe what cis. So, yeah, so when, when we talk about, you know, uh, being cisgendered, um, it's obviously the opposite of being transgendered. Um, and the reason why I think it's important to, to mention that is because uh, we want to acknowledge the fact that there are marginalized populations out in the world. Um, and they feel marginalized when we don't acknowledge our own identity, right? So there is the LGBTQIA population. And when I don't identify myself as one, it makes them feel like they're othered. Yeah. Thanks for doing that. Um, yeah. And I, Ronnie, I just want to touch on that because yeah. I felt like we had a really good conversation about that. Um, I don't know. Uh, I was probably three or four months ago and Marino, sorry to bore you with this, but I think it's important <laughs> to talk about this because we were talking about the pronouns and how, when you begin a presentation or something to a group of people, um, I didn't understand the importance or um, the significance of that. I just kind of, you know, to be honest, I rolled my eyes a bit 
because I was like, oh, here we go, or something along those lines. And I don't know if I'm, I'm being completely honest with that. Um, well, I am being completely honest, but, you know, to a sense that, like, I would immediately be like, oh, okay, we're going to do all this, right? Where then Ronnie, to his credit, kind of educated me on, yeah. I just, I didn't understand how that not, didn't make, it didn't do anything to me, but it made other people feel just included. Right. right. And right. It, was, it had nothing to do with me, nothing, how my, my instinct or my feelings or any like that, but it impacted, it could impact someone so significantly that um, it just could mean so much to them by doing so little by acknowledging that. And I think that was just something for our listeners to think about is, you know, I, I'm, I, I guess I was uneducated when it came to that. And now I know that, you know, speaking to a group or speaking to a, a larger audience, that could be really important to make people A, hear you and B, feel included in the conversation. So I just wanted to bring that piece up. I mean, you want to hit the leadership glossary, like we're talking vocabulary, like language yeah. matters. You know, um, I can tell you that before we had that conversation, Dave, I had only been educated myself a few months before that, maybe two, three months before that, where I was actually leaving an organization that I was previously with. And I sat down with all of the people that I managed. It was about five of them. And I said, Hey, I'd really love like your real honest feedback as I leave. Cause I'm going to a new place and I want to be better wherever I go. Yeah. And the feedback that I got was from somebody in the LGBTQI community who said to me, Hey man, I really think you can make a difference if you introduce yourself with your pronouns. And I was like, well, I felt like I shouldn't do that. And I gave him, you know, very similar to you, Dave. I was like, yeah. hey, I actually, to me, I thought by not, I didn't want to take somebody else's space. Exactly. And he's like, no, 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 no. He's like, by doing it, you're creating space. Yeah. And it was just a, it was a different perspective. So just to share, like, I, like if we, we want to be leaders, like this is what we got to be doing, man. We have to be asking these questions and learning and teaching each other and doing everything. So again, really critical and sorry to jump again, but know your audience too, right? I think that's really important because I think there's some audiences that could take that the wrong way, but then there's some audiences that could really benefit from that. So I think, again, knowing your people, what we've touched on a ton, Ronnie, um, going through this is, is super important. And I will say, I do have a question. You keep seeing, I've heard LGBTQ. What is IA? I, I haven't, that's, that's the first time I've heard that part to it so yeah. just for my education i don't know what that means yeah first time i've heard it and i want to be sure that a I, if i don't know it i'm assuming that probably some of our listeners don't know it either and let's let's you know pull the string so we're talking about intersect and i uh i'm sorry asexual so intersect would be intersex intersex got it okay got it okay um, so it's, a, it's a general term for like a condition in which a person is born with a, like a reproductive or sexual uh, anatomy that doesn't seem to uh, fit their typical uh, definition of like male, uh, I'm sorry, male or female. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. So now we know you're, you're doing ample space. You're, you're doing this great work in the mental health space. Um, let's go right down the middle of it, right? What? Yeah. What makes you a leader in the work you do today? Um, I would say what makes me a leader in the work that I do today is um, 
my ability to to go into a place that's uncomfortable, right? Um, I think that's important for a leader to do. Um, when when you start talking about uh, toxic masculinity, and you start to you know kind of like go down that route as far as like educating yourself, it's important to know that a lot of people don't understand where you're coming from, um, are not ready to hear your message, and are further uh, away from actually engaging in, you know, different behaviors that acknowledge uh, people, uh, people's humanity, their full range of, of emotions. Um, I think that that's important to acknowledge. And I think to do that in leadership um, is very important. Dope. I, listen, I, I um, for the purpose of allowing the conversation to move, I'm going to go, I'm going to keep going, but I, I feel like we could stop at every moment and just go okay. deeper and deeper. So um, stop me if I do that, but okay. um, let, let's go, let's go back now. Um, Cause now we're talking about the space that you're in, how you view yourself as a leader, you know, why did you decide? And I hate to say it this way. Why did you decide to stop your career to now focus on this? Like, what about this made you oh, man. stop and, and do this? Yeah. So it's actually been, I feel like, a long time coming. Um, since I was a child, I was born and, and raised by my mother. Um, so, you know, I didn't have that father figure. So well, when I was growing up, I was really trying to, like, fill in the blanks of what it is to be a man. Um, my mother did a great job. I, she's an amazing woman. She taught me how to be a nurturer and you know, a protector in, in many ways. Um, and, it, you know, it was just very interesting that, you know, the culture, I'm Dominican, and the culture is, uh, you know, there's machismo, right? This is patriarchal. It's the patriarchal system that we live in and function and view our world through. Um, and I was always bothered by the fact that those teachings would contradict uh, my experiences uh, with my mother specifically. Right. So my mother taught me how to care um, for her, like when she was sick, you know, like like different little things that she would do, I would pick up on just through observing her. So that was to me is like filling in the blanks of what it is to be a father in the future. I was always, you know, looking at the, the world through the lens of, all right, well, a father is what he was not. Right. A man is what he was not. Um, so I have this mother that's a, nur a nurturer that takes care of me that. Um, also tells me to be strong, right? And then there was that that other component of it where it's like, you know, you're a man, you can't cry, you're strong, right? So those messages that that impacted, you know, kind of the way I, the, the course I took um, throughout childhood uh, into my early adulthood years um, was a lot of that, really. Um, but I remember there were like situations uh, growing up where I, I kind of like hit this wall where like, it didn't make sense. And then any, I couldn't question it, right? I had to kind of like stay this route. And, uh, and I mentioned it in a previous talk that I did with uh, another, uh, you know, person in the field where I talked about the wrestling. And Ronnie, I know that we, we uh, used to wrestle at Sleepy Hollow High School together. And I, I remember like feeling a sense of joy, a sense of uh, being powerful when it came to like wrestling because I would overpower men. And that, you know, I, I remember there was one tournament and I remember it was in Croton and I was going against, uh, you know, a, a stud. He was a ninth grader. I must've been like a, I think a junior or a senior that year. 
coasted to that to the finals. And I remember, um, you know, I knew he was a stud. I knew he was young, uh, so it was a challenge to me uh, because I didn't want to be uh, quote unquote emasculated, right, or to be like outshined by this younger guy. And I remember we're in the tournament, and he's he's bullying me, he's pushing me, and at one point I just did like a, a hip toss. Uh, it's called the cowboy. And I used his momentum to throw him over my shoulder. Um, and then when I when I went ahead and looked back, um, you know, I, I landed the move. I got my points. I ran back to the middle. And I hear the crowd going crazy. And, you know, it sounded like 300. And I was, oh, my God, this is amazing. And I was just fired up. And then I, I looked back because he's not rushing back. And I, I looked back and he's on the floor. And he's holding onto his shoulder. And I remember, like, he was in pain. Uh, his arm was dislocated during that match. And I remember looking at the, the the crowd, looking at him, looking at the crowd, and I was like, oh, something's wrong with this. And and that that's really one of the, like, defining moments that said, you know, like, this is not right, and I can't speak up against – that's not right, that I can't speak up against this. Um, you know, I wanted to pick him up. I wanted to hug him. Um, I think part of my mission now is to find him. <laughs> so I'm going to look back at, like, that <laughs> tournament bracket, find where he is, and apologize. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's like, I had a lot of those experiences. I remember, uh, you know, dating women and trying to like, kind of like assert these teachings that didn't quite fit, didn't roll off my tongue well, as far as like how to treat women. And it just never led to success. Just a lot of breakups. (laughs) And, and then I I just at one point decided, this is not natural to me. Um, this is not natural to me. And then in leadership, uh, where I saw this trend is that, like, you know, I would hear a lot of, like, uh, people in, in, you know, my colleagues, uh, you know, supervisors, uh, you know, engage in that locker room talk, engage in, you know, sexual harassment. And, you know, that that was problematic that I just always kind of, like, had this, like, wall that I would hit as far as, like, speaking up. And at a certain point, I said, you know what, this is, this is not, this is not me. This is, this is BS. And I have to start, like, kind of living my truth. And that's my truth. And this is what I'm doing now is really kind of like starting to tackle this and make it comfortable for myself and make it comfortable for others to start talking about how this, this notion that we have about masculinity um, impacts um, and hurts others. Yeah. Thanks for that. I think it's so cool that you, you knock back to high school. I think it validates me for sure. I don't know about you, Ronnie, of, of that were how impressionable you are at that kind of, adolescent age and how athletics specifically can shape you know your your trajectory to some extent and what you do um so that's just awesome to hear i'm curious to hear you know for for our listeners that don't understand what what is toxic masculinity to you and and what's your definition of masculinity i think for me would be really good here that's a great question um yeah, I think I think when we hear toxic masculinity, it's now just kind of come one of those like words that are yeah, like it's coined and just like being thrown around. And, and I think the best way to look at it is that it's really there are aspects of the way we look at masculinity that are toxic. It's not that being mass, it's not masculinity that is toxic. Is that there are aspects of the way that we teach what masculinity is, what it is to be a man, that is toxic. Um, so that's the way I kind of like differentiate the two. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not you know it's not negative or positive it's just that there are aspects that way we we teach our young boys to be men that is problematic for for many different reasons and and more so because they hurt people right and i think you know that 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 definition of masculinity um is so important because i think as a leader you're trying to impart 
um, you know, the growth of the people below you. And I think having that mindset. So can you talk a little bit of your definition of masculinity and then how you try to impart that into your, your, you know, the people that you touch on a daily basis? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, it's, it's, uh, you know, what I had mentioned as far as masculinity, I think it's, um, it's one, it's that we're human at the end of the day. Um, I think that's very important to mention um, that, you know, we are, we, we should all be afforded the opportunity to express our full range of emotions. And we are not, um, whether you're a man or a woman, uh, or, you know, you're, you're binary, you're not, you're not really a it, it is a problem when we're not allowed to do that. Um, and usually what we see is that men are taught that they cannot uh, share or express feelings of sadness or quote unquote weakness, right? We call each other soft, uh, P word, uh, mm-hmm. the B word, whatever, <laughs> uh, all the expletives um, that make it negative, right? Um, and as women, you know, that women are taught that they can't express anger, right? It's not ladylike. Um, you know, I always think about like, you know, the, the concept of, you know, when a man asserts himself, he's a leader. Uh, when a woman asserts herself, she's a B, she's uh, an angry black woman, right? It's like those concepts of like, why don't we see a woman that asserts herself as a leader as well? Um, so there, there are many ways that I, I kind of like take these teachings and apply it to um, the leadership uh, position that I have. Um, first and foremost, I would say um, discouraging competition. Um, and the, the reason for that is, um, you know, because at, at the end of the day, there's this great book out there. Um, it's called The Will to Change by Bell Hooks. And she talks about, yeah, it's, it's an amazing book. And she speaks of um, the fact that men in general in this society that we live in are not as available as women are uh, emotionally uh, to their families. Um, you know, and, and also just, the you know, when we take into consideration competition in the workplace, we have to take that into consideration, right? Because, um, you know, there's a lot of emotional labor and physical labor that make it disproportionate, uh, right? So when, let's say, you know, women are teaching men about their own misogyny, right? Um, about what they're doing. They're also juggling, uh, keeping a grocery list and shopping list. Um, when a kid gets sick and, you know, they're the ones that take off to, to go pick them up from school. Um, when a, when you decide to have a child, the man very seldom is the one that puts, puts their uh, career on hold, um, to raise a child. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there are a lot of things that don't make things really equal uh, for women. So when you encourage a workplace that is uh, based on competition, um, we're already kind of setting up uh, women up for failure. That's so interesting that you bring that in because I think one of the things that, you know, Ronnie and I have talked about a ton with our other guests have been, you know, knowing your people, but also creating an environment for them to have their own growth their, yeah. individually while also keeping the mission of that company or team at the forefront. So it's like that balance, but I think- yeah to your point of being able to touch all those different people and make sure that they're individually growing and feel like they have a place within your organization, I think is so important as a leader, um, as, as you kind of take that through how, like, do you find it difficult to impart that into your clients and, and into your, your, your care coordinator position? 
No, no, of course. Um, no, I think that's most, the most important. I think I'm very well aware um, of the, the position I hold and the power I have uh, with my position. Um, and I leverage that, honestly, and I create uh, opportunities for my staff. I mean, my, right now, actually, all my uh, staff are women. <laughs> and I am, uh, regardless of the case, uh, if I did have men on board, I would also, you know, just be mindful of kind of like you, you have to create those opportunities for growth, right? Um, so when you have those training opportunities where you can train um, someone on doing something, I can sit there and train everyone in a group setting, or I can pick um, a specific care manager, train her on something and have her train down, right? Because now it's like building on her resume, building on her existing skills, and then kind of imparting that. Uh, so it's like that train down uh, philosophy is, I think it's important and it, it encourages growth. Um, you know, <clears throat> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in because I'm, I'm still a few steps behind because I can't get my mind off of it, okay. which is the idea that everything you're talking about, um, like it ties so nice around masculinity. It ties so nicely to sports. Um, and what I mean by that is on both sides, there's the good and the bad. So as, as you know, me and Dave coach all boys, boys yeah. across town of yeah. all different, of all different skill levels. And there are some really good things that we can do there. And we do. So we talk about being able to say, I love you. It was one of the things that oh, Dave, yeah. Dave was able to play for a guy who, who wrote the book on it. Literally. Yeah. Right? Literally. Um, yeah. yeah, Dave, I mean, could you talk a yeah, little bit Joe, about I mean, that? it's yeah. all, it's like my wheelhouse. So that's why yeah. I think I'm so fired up, but I don't want to take away from you, Marino, because you're nah, the, nah, the, the, the resident expert. <laughs> so, but yeah. um, no, Joe Ehrman, um, who uh, was my high school football coach is now a renowned um, kind of, the best way to describe him is like a preacher. Um, he yeah. is a preacher, but um, uh, he wrote uh, a couple books. One is Inside Out Coaching. And one is a season of life that um, I would uh, argue that every father should read um, yeah. because it, 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 it describes a boy's kind of journey in his life and where he is. So his definition of masculinity is the ability to love and be loved, yeah. which I think was super powerful for me yeah. Um, yeah. As, as, a, as a high school. And, and this is a high school football team. So, yeah. And on top of that, we were really good. Yeah. So it's like you have that blend of like, well, we're really good and that's the expectation. But also like when our coach got us in a huddle, like he would say, what's our job? And in unison, the team would respond to, um, to love us. And then he, we, and then he would say, what's your job? And then he would say to love each, And then we would respond to love each other. Yeah. And so to that definition of, of masculinity, and we went through a whole kind of series curriculum on what that looks like, highlighting prom of, you know, what it looks like to be on a date, all those types of things. Um, at the time, thought it was a little hokey. I'm saying I love you to a guy to my right that I'm sweating on and you know, doing all that <laughs> stuff with. But at the same time, now looking back on it, I'm like, holy shit. Like, yeah. That shaped who I, I am so, so much. Um, yeah. So this, this idea of toxic masculinity, and I think, um, you know, it goes to just the littlest piece that I look back on is like, I always, when I see my dad, I kiss him and I tell him I love him, right? Yeah. 
and and I see like my buddies or some other people that don't do that. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and 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 I think it's not because they don't have those feelings, but I do think it's because they've just felt that way, and and they haven't been brought up that way to give their dad a hug and give him a kiss. Right? right. And you don't have to do it on the lips. Don't get me wrong. I mean, like, you know, you, you, yeah. is a little like way to do it, obviously. But at the same time, um, I think showing that vulnerability, especially as a man, and then to our conversation a little bit before of, of being able to talk about like, hey, I need help. Right. I, I think yeah. men are so adverse to that. Um, I think it's really important. So this is like super special for me because I, I was really fortunate to have those people and it's cool. I think it's one of the reasons why I do what I do is because that high school football coach had such an impact on my life and the, and my relationships around me and the way, you know, I'm a father, the way I am a husband, um, the, the way I am as a coach, the way I am to my friends. Uh, you know, I have my moments, don't get me wrong, but at the same time, that, uh, is so critical. And, um, for me, the toxic masculinity thing, I think is so important, especially for young men nowadays, because I think, you have social media, you have all the bullshit that's on out everywhere at fingertips that, um, uh, hopefully if we can get to the crux of who you are as a human being, between that 14 to 18 year old and start yeah. to build those good habits. I think they only kind of continue to, to snowball yeah. vice sure. vice then having to break them down as a 22 year old or 23 year old, which then indefinitely or, or however you want to put it manifests itself in alcohol, you know, womanizing right. all those bad things that can happen once those are, are kind of, open to you to be able to utilize more readily. So again, sorry to get on a rant, but that for me is, is, is super important. So that's why I'm so fired up. And again, I wish we had two hours for this. I have a zillion questions, but Ronnie, I'll, I'll kick it to you. No, no. So I wanted to bring that up because I feel like we spend some time on things with our boys around, you know, the, I love you, the culture matters that, nothing really matters more than like the people that we're with. That's what matters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, we are in a, like we expect a high level of competition. Uh, right. So it, it's a tough, tough balance. So what I want to kick to you, Marino is, yeah. you know, what, what, what does good look like? You know, like we got guys, we got right. guys who say, I love you to each other. Yeah. But also yeah. we have guys who have no problem punching each other and pushing each other and saying like, you're not giving enough. Like you need to do more. Yeah. I think, yeah, the good is, is a great question because that that's where, uh, where there are definitely some holes, right? It's like, I think the best way to look at good is that we're all flawed. Yeah. In David, you had mentioned, I have my moments, you know, like one one of the things you mentioned, yeah, Mm -hmm. I have my moments. And as soon as you said that, I'm like, yes. Mm -hmm. Um, the reality is that we all have our moments, right? We're not perfect. Um, I'm not perfect. I'm still on my journey. I'm still uncovering the shit that was done to me way back when. Excuse me for cursing. I don't know if we could hear, but whatever. <laughs> Let, it flow. Um, Let it fly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still doing the work of uncovering and we're going to make mistakes. And we're going to make mistakes because we still live in this system. We're still here, um, breathing that air. Um, the reality is I think being a good man to me means that you hold yourself accountable when you do mess up, right? 
So it's, it's going back and apologizing for those moments where you weren't true to your values, um, whether you're, you know, or going back to that moment where you hurt someone and apologizing. I think those things are important. I think that's what makes us good people and good humans, um, for sure. Um, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's the best way to answer that. So, so me and Dave joke that one of the highlights of our coaching career together um, yeah. Dave, Dave certainly has much bigger highlights than, than the last five years, mm-hmm. but um, one of our highlights together is uh, last year, like, mm. practice got so competitive yeah. that we had our first fight in practice. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like we finally oh, made no. it to a place where we're competing to a level where it mattered that much. The moment yeah. in yeah. practice yeah. mattered that much. Um, and as I'm thinking through it now, I'm like, wow, that's a pretty toxic moment. Um, to have two, I mean, we were, Dave and I were like, we high fived, but we talk in, in a, in in a moment of like just real balance. It was without, nobody talked about it. We didn't plan it. We didn't skip a beat. It was like, Hey, uh, you guys got to hug each other right now. Yeah. Uh, and then it was like, Hey, that's great. We love that you're competing that much, but the conversation afterwards in front of the whole team was, yeah. Hey, these are two seniors and we expect them to lead us all the time. And while that behavior um, can be exciting, like yeah. you guys have to always love each other. Yeah. So to me, um, I share that because I think that's, I think that's balance. I yeah. think that's balance in a competitive environment. Does that happen? Yes. Is it, it like, should I have behaved maybe differently maybe i don't know yeah. i don't yeah. know what the right yeah. answer is i was re- yeah. genuinely excited it happened but i will tell yeah. you that i mean moments later we went right back into like coach mode and we were like okay you guys gotta hug it out and then it was like you guys stand up and you know we want you guys to make up in front of the whole team you guys love yeah. each other nothing matters more than than you know the bond um, so to me i'm like that's balanced but i wanted to say that to see like how does that land yeah. for you yeah, no, I think that that is, I mean, the reality, again, it speaks to that mistake, right? We're going to make mistakes. And the fact that you guys checked your, you know, your, your athletes is important. And I think that's what we all need to do, right? It's not only check ourselves, it's check other men, right? In that position, uh, you know, especially when it comes to the position of power, you have to be able to feel comfortable checking them for whatever, and whatever the consequences to, to doing so, it is what it is, but you have to be able to call out other men. I think what we've, done is expect women to speak up and we like to call ourselves good men um but when it comes to a situation that makes us feel uncomfortable like where we can be alienated from the group we, we don't show our that we're allies uh truly allies um so the fact that you're 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 presenting that to your boys from from the beginning and then when they mess up you kind of like check them on what their error was and encourage them to kind of like speak it through and, and kind of get at the gist of like what was actually going on. I think that's, that's important um, for sure. And I'm glad that you guys were able to like, kind of like, again, w- what we teach in, in, in therapy is like, you know, relationship, you know, it's a, it's a series of uh, rupturing and repairing, right? It's like, you're, that's what it is. And that's what you guys did just there. It's like, you, you acknowledge the fact that, Hey, listen, made an error. All right, let's fix it. You know? Love that series. I, of I just rupturing. wrote down rupture and repair. I'm obsessed with that already. <laughs> repairing. Love that. Yeah. Uh, wait, Dave. I, like I know that you you're gonna go, go here, but Marino just said something that I think touches home for us again, which is this idea of like 
being able to hold each other to to the standard. Yeah. Which is something that, um, you know, again, vocabulary and repetition matter uh, in leadership. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we say to our guys all the time is like, you have to be able to do the unpopular thing and tell somebody and like check your people, your teammate, the people you care about. Um, so I, I just wanted to highlight that, that that's like another moment for me where it's like, Hey, it doesn't matter. You know, Marino, you're in a very technical field and what the, the way you approach these conversations I would say it's much more technically and like really thinking about where you're going with it, where me and Dave are, I mean, frankly, we're doing the best we can do with guys that we really care about. And we're trying to get 14 year olds doing the right thing. So anytime a moment like that occurs, I just want to highlight, like, that's like a good moment. So Ronnie, just like, I think that exists in all of us. Like what came out of you that the both of you that day that exists. It's just, you got to uncover it. But like the fact that you felt excited about it was maybe because as a child, you, that you, you know, that was stripped from you or, or you, you weren't allowed to do that. But there's something in all of us that almost like envies that, that, that women have that, right. That's something that we, we weren't allowed to have, right. We, we get a lot of power with, you know, with, in the society we live in. But one thing that we, we get stripped, it comes at a cost. And then that's, that's the cost. The cost is our humanity. And I think, I think everybody kind of like really cheers, uh, maybe not outright, maybe like in their head. But I think when they see things like that happen, they do cheer. Like in movies, when you see that, you know, like brothers coming together and achieving something together and going through a struggle. Um, I think it's like, it's like a classic plot of a movie that you love, <laughs> you know? So I think, I think you, you're, you're just following your soul's path. Like, you know, like what, what your heart is telling you to do when, when that happens. No, I'm with you. I think that's, uh, thanks for making me feel better about it, I guess. <laughs> you can bill us later, I guess. Um, so I, I we want to talk, we always talk about kind of um, the leaders that shaped you, right? Yeah. As you were growing up. Can you mention maybe one or two? I know you mentioned your mother. She had a yeah. big impact on you and kind of showing you how to be a man. Um, but can you mention maybe somebody else that growing up or that you yeah. have in your life now that really shapes who you are? Yeah, I mean, um, definitely um, I had a, um, a frat brother, uh, Andres Marredo, um, who when I was, uh, you know, my, my freshman year of, of college, um, you know, he started recruiting a, a bunch of uh, the freshmen to, to join the fraternity, uh, but he definitely showed me that, that brotherhood and that love, and he spoke the same language um, as far as, like, you're, you're a human, uh, validated my emotions through the ups and downs, was a friend, um, an amazing listener, and made it a safe place for me to kind of like go there where I could possibly say, yeah, with certainty, I'd never experienced that in my life. I never had a, a man, a, a male role model that gave me that space to acknowledge something that I've been fighting with my whole life internally. Um, so he, you know, he, he himself was a leader. Um, and um, yeah, so he, he definitely influenced me to, to not only pledge, but to, to also, you know, live my truth. Uh, yeah. I think that's amazing because I think it's like, it's those little, um, it doesn't have to be this like 
super powerful person that it has this role that's like so monstrous in your life. It can be somebody that obviously, you know, Andre's played a huge role in your life, but that was just, Hey, how you doing? Yeah. You know, how's your day going? Yeah. Uh, Being asking those little questions that then opens you up and, and makes you feel like you said, safe and, 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 and to a sense, in a safe, vulnerable place where you can share those emotions and feelings. And I think, again, going back to my point, you were a freshman, correct? Yeah, when you correct. met him. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, you were 18, 19 years old. Yeah. Like how important those years are to be able sure. to figure that out. Um, I think is, yeah. is really cool. So. Um, yeah. It's definitely like cognitive dissonance. It was like that, that moment where like, this does not compute. What, no one makes me feel my own feelings. <laughs> System overload. <laughs> it was just, yeah. It was really it's natural. Cool. It's authentic. Right, right. Yeah. But it just, I never experienced that before. And I can like safely say that. Like, like even like, I think now I'm acknowledging that like, maybe that's why. Because I, I really never had a role model before him, much less someone that can, you know, allow me to go there where it was just never safe to go there. Yeah. So the, on the flip side... Uh, You know, we talk about the good leaders in our lives that certainly shape a lot of who we've become and how we roll. Um, And I, I, now that I've learned about Andreas, I see so much of that in you as like, you know, one of of my good friends Um, who are the, and not by name, if you don't want to, um, but you learn just as much from leaders you don't want to be like. Yeah. Yeah. So what does that look like in your life? I mean, I just had, I remember I had one experience. I mean, you ask that question is just again I, I strongly believe that I, I learned from all the experiences that I had so it's like to, to couch them as good or bad I just think that they are and you know you learn things that you're going to take with you and things that you're going to not take with you um, but I remember working at a restaurant one summer and uh, actually in uh, in Tarrytown and I remember I was there with like I was there with actually another uh, a former uh, high school student that I used to go to school with. And I remember we were both working for her and she was like, she was from a different country and there was a different culture with, you know, in that country, as far as like the way you speak to people. And I remember it was like treating me like I was just like dumb. Like I didn't think things through and just that, that belittling and degrading way of talking to people. And then when I questioned it, you know, I went over her head and then kind of spoke to, to someone above her about it. And I remember getting the feedback that, you know, like, oh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a cultural thing. And, and that was, you know, that, that definitely left a bad taste in my mouth. I, I don't think we should make excuses for treating people, um, you know, in that way. I think that that's something that, that stood out to me. And I remember quitting that same day and saying you know this is not for me and you know it's the first job I ever quit and last job I ever quit I literally quit one job and it was because of that it's just that like again I have values and you know I'm very understanding I'm very patient um but there there are certain values that I think that I I stick to and and again if they if someone's not able to meet my needs I I have to leave is there something, and just to follow on with that, at your leadership style, is there one thing that you kind of hang your hat on that you kind of think that this is what I do best or this is what I try to impart yeah. on those under underneath me? Yeah, I think I, I, I do a lot of that. Like I'm very aware of my power, my influence, and 
how do I put this? The, the inequity that, that, ex, that, you know, that exists in the workplace. Um, so I'm always like anytime that there's an opportunity to highlight what someone did, I, I definitely do that. Um, I think it's good to like work together to like, you know, kind of like uh, create collaboration within your team and give credit where credit is due. But I think sometimes that that falls short when it comes to like high stakes projects. So like when we're talking about like, you know, like maybe a major project, I think people are more likely to take credit where credit is not due and maybe give a little bit of credit. Whereas I, I tried to highlight that. I say, well, you know, this was 90%, you know, this, this worker's uh, work. Right. Um, and it's, it's important to do it publicly and privately. I think, you know, like, so it's also behind closed doors, not take credit for things that, you know, you didn't do. Um, I mentioned before kind of creating those opportunities for growth um, to promote from within. Um, that's important. Um, you know, sharing power, um, is important as well. Um, what else? Yeah, I think, I think it's also just understanding again, I think you mentioned it also just like understanding the, the strengths your team has and your weaknesses and building on the strengths, um, and encouraging that. Um, another thing that I, tend to, to pay a lot of attention to is our self-care, uh, which is important. I think when we start talking about like, you know, like the intersection of being uh, a person of color, or if you look at the hierarchy, rather, you, you know, at the top, let's say you would have in the system that we live in, you have uh, white men, right? And then white women, and you have black men, and you have black women, and then you have people with more marginalized like issues, like, like the LGBTQIA population, you know, population, then you have the transgender, like, it's just like, so difficult um, to kind of like work through. So I'm always kind of mindful of that and understanding that like, the lower you go down that ladder, la excuse me, that ladder, the harder it is to take time off, uh, to take personal time, because there's more at stake, you know, especially as you move up the ladder, it's like, you know, like, it's harder for me to get up the ladder than it is for someone else. Mm -hmm. Well, wow. yeah. Um, okay, so one of the things, unfortunately, um, we're at like 43 minutes, and I feel like we can go for 17 yeah. more hours. Um, but in the, uh, to respect your time uh, and the time of anybody listening, and I think what we should do is just, let's just plan on a round two, because I feel like we could do this Absolutely. for literally days. Yeah. Um, one of the things we like to do is ask, like, hey, like, how do you find your inspiration? Are you someone who writes things down? Are you somebody who reads? Um, like, where are you continuing to keep yourself attuned uh, when it comes to leadership and people and, uh, you know, leading? Yeah. I think my energy comes from creating that, that idea of a team. I think when my team feels like they're together and they're working together, that gives me energy. I, I love highlighting that my team is, is, is uh, you know, kind of succeeding uh, as, as a team, as a unit, not individually, but as a team. And I think that definitely gives me a lot of energy um, and it allows me to like look for different opportunities for growth. Uh, it kind of like pushes me to say, all right, what's the next level? Um, so it's really like when, when we foster that, that, that idea of the team working together to accomplish a goal, um, you know, like we share our resources um, during team meetings, uh, we have a group chat on the side, uh, you know, throughout the week. So anytime someone comes across a certain resource that another care manager could use, 
we share it and we've created that um, as, as a norm for the team. And, you know, the idea there is that, like, you know, if someone took three days to figure out a problem, let's say apply for unemployment or SSI benefits or something like that for one of their, their members and they hit a lot of obstacles in the way, um, there's no reason for the next care manager, if they're not communicating, to go through those same steps and those same obstacles. Um, so we share those resources and we make it easier for the next person. So that idea of like working together um, definitely gives me a lot of energy and, and excitement. Dope. Yeah. All right, man. Well, um, I mean, <laughs> this is unreal. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, we'll, we'll have you back soon, but for right now, uh, just blessed to have you. All right, man. Thank you so much. Dave, I'll, I'll see you in a week, but that is episode 13 with Marino Castro.